0: The
1: Ontario government says it's like going from an on-off switch to a dimmer. That's how they're describing the new system that will determine shutdowns amid the second wave. The province's 34 public health units uh, will be categorized in one of five categories according to their numbers. And the categories are prevent, protect, restrict, control, and lockdown. Now, under all the categories, with the exception of a lockdown, indoor dining and fitness gym operations will be able to remain open under certain guidelines. All of the current hotspots in what is now modified stage two, except Toronto, will move to the restrict phase on Saturday, which means those establishments will be able to open. At the mayor's request, that won't happen in Toronto until a week later. Uh, Is that fair? Is it based on good evidence? Uh, Are you looking forward to going to the gym or to eating indoors in a restaurant? 416 740 toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And now let's bring in Donna Dewar. She's the co-owner of Mildred's Temple Kitchen in Liberty Village, and Perry Tucheron, who is the treasurer and a member of the Board of Directors of the Fitness Industry Council of Canada. Hi, welcome. Thanks
2: for joining us. Thank you for having
1: us.
3: Yep, yeah, thank you for having us.
1: Okay, well, uh, let's start with uh, Perry. Gym owners have been saying for a while that shutting them down is completely unfair. So what do you think about this?
3: Well, we think the changes are very, very positive. We're very excited about it. We've been, we, our whole goal the whole time, entire time, is to work with the government and with public health. To provide a safe environment for people to exercise in the fitness clubs. Uh, we know there's no perfect method, but we want to be as safe as possible. And our data has really shown that kind of combined with the data that the government released the other day, that we are quite safe. And like we have data showing that with over 20 million check-ins from across the country since the reopen, the original reopening, uh, what with- we look at the, the events spreading the facilities we're at 0.000. 000 one percent rate of spread, so we're not perfect, but we're working very hard to support Canadians, and we really like the steps the government has taken.
1: We saw that uh, super spreader event at the uh, spin gym in Hamilton. Do you think that's what pre- precipitated uh, uh you know the action against gyms
3: that definitely had an effect because uh, they you know obviously it was a unfortunate situation, and it's you know for the for the members and also the staff you know at that location and it if you look at the data in Ontario from what we have, there's been really since the reopening only two outbreaks that we're aware of in Ontario. One at that spin studio, another one at a smaller boutique out in, uh, out in Waterloo in September. The rest have been in, you know, a handful of individual situations where the, uh, COVID was not contracted the club and it did not spread to anyone else at the fitness facility as well. And, you know, and the group at Spinco, part of it is bad luck because, you know, it is, it is not, there's no way to hundred percent protect uh you know protect people from this, and you know, it was a one up situation because they also have seventeen studios they work very closely before they reopened with public health in Hamilton in that region and out of the seventeen studios they've been running classes uh for five months, and that was their first case so it is unfortunate, but it does bring it the, you know when it comes to that big a spread it does come into the limelight to you know and it is a concern for everyone including people in the fitness industry to look at okay we do anything different.
1: Donna Dewar, uh, are you going to reopen for indoor dining? And do you think it's fair you have to wait another week? Well, uh,
2: we're going to be open for outdoor dining because the weather is in our favor this weekend, which is wonderful. Um, well, we're looking forward to, to getting open on the 14th, you know, if that will be the case. And uh, we had hoped it would be sooner. But, you know, we obviously will adhere to Public health guidelines in the in the city of Toronto's request. I, I think that the um, is it fair? I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I mean I again I like to see this uh, these numbers and statistics that show uh, that restaurant operations are uh, are spreaders, and I don't think we have that information. I, um, I I want to say that the restaurant operators of the city do a remarkable job. Keeping their staff and their patrons safe. Uh, and I think that this initiative that the Ontario government has taken is, is really a big step forward in navigating a safer path so we can coexist with the virus because that's the reality of it right now. And, and I also think it will help us look forward with the statistics uh, that they're going to provide and the numbers so we'll, we can see down the road is there a possibility that we may have to close down or are we going to get to open up again? We were hoping to open up on the 7th and now we're pushed back another week. Very hard to to run your business
1: that way. Oh, yeah. Um, But uh, I'm thinking, you know, I I know your space and it's quite big. So Mm -hmm. uh, you can probably, I mean, I'm assuming you can make things work opening, but uh, we talk to restaurant owners who have small or very narrow spaces who are saying, hey, you know, um, opening with the kind of restrictions that we have for indoor dining doesn't really
2: work for us. Yes, and I, I, you know, I really have, a lot of empathy for those, uh, smaller venues, the smaller operators. I, I, I wish I, I had the answer. I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm not a, a you know, I'm, 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 I'm not an epidemiologist and I, I don't know that information, but I I do think it's important that we are stepping back and not looking so much as one size fits all but we're starting to see the government break it down. And hopefully we'll see that even a bit deeper with each of our venues being so unique.
1: This is uh, to both of you. Uh, Perry, you can start this whole new system and and it's apparently going to be transparent and you can look at numbers and breakdowns. Is it uh, clarifying things or is it kind of more confusing?
3: Uh, it actually breaks down, and as you know, as, as the other uh, the other uh, uh, lady on the phone, I apologize. If I forget your name. Alluded to, like it's just not one size fits all, uh, and that's what they did in the fitness industry before. Uh, for fitness clubs, they just had the same rules for everyone. So they've broken it down. Uh, you know, for example, they have before it was a maximum of fifty uh, uh, people per facility. So it doesn't matter if you're a small studio or a large, you know, a large club uh it was the same so they've broken that down uh where they can it's they, when they break it for example in the uh and the, the in the orange where we are now in the, the orange where we are now it can you can actually have up to 50 people per facility but it doesn't apply include pools uh rinks at arenas community centers and multi-purpose so the bigger multi-purpose facilities can have more people in the rooms themselves so the breakdown is very very helpful uh and it makes it you know fair more fair to all the different facilities because if you're a large facility, you know, 50 is not enough, where the smaller facility, uh, you don't need 50, but it's conducive to what your, uh, you know, the size your facility is now.
1: Donna, is this going to allow you to have less, less emphasis on, on takeout and delivery? And how's that been going?
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put our focus back to uh, dining room service. And we have, we have, you know, jumped on the takeout and uh delivery bandwagon. And well, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Uh It's very challenging. It's, it's a big pivot and we're adapting and, and uh, I, you know, I applaud our team. They're, they're hanging in there and we're learning every day. It's a massively steep learning curve. And I think this kind of thing is really wearing down operators because I, I feel some days I'm operating in a pinball machine uh, you know are we opening are we closing? what are the numbers tell I, again I, I'm trying to digest what these numbers mean so I think that we are going to see uh, a much you know a much better result with this new plan that the government's just uh, Ontario government has just rolled out and I, I applaud I applaud uh, the premier's team for doing this. And, you know, it's, it's a step in the right direction. It may not be perfect, but I think it's a step in the the right direction. Okay. Um, Well, um,
1: thanks very much to both of you. So I I think uh, both industries are are happy that things are going to be relaxed a little bit and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are just waiting to get Dr. Colin Furness on the line. He's an infection control epidemiologist and an assistant professor with the University of Toronto's Faculty of Information. And we've been talking about the province's new system for determining who can stay open and who can stay closed. And we heard from some businesses that are happy that they are going to be able to reopen, but... I gather that some of the experts are not that thrilled. They think that we are taking a big chance by doing this. So I guess the question is, is it just a matter of the government bowing to pressure from businesses? I mean, you know, to be fair, they've been hanging on by their fingernails. How much longer can they do that? Or uh, is it a matter of saying, hey, we have to learn to live with this virus and at the end of the day, People will have to make their own decision about what they feel comfortable doing. So my question to you is, is it a good idea that we're opening up like this? Uh, There is now a whole world of statistics that you can check to see where we are at. And are you going to be doing any of those things that are now available? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 740, and we now have Dr. Colin Furness on the line. Hello, how are you?
4: Good afternoon. Fine, thank you.
1: So, uh, what do you think of this uh, relaxing of restrictions and reopening in restaurants and gyms?
4: Well, I'm obviously really concerned about it because we announced this after scaling back testing. We announced this on the same day that we hit a new record. And it feels like it's Mr. Trump's playbook. Reduce testing to reduce the size of the problem and then open everything up and say it's fine. And that's really concerning. Obviously, I understand the economic pain of having certain businesses closed. But I think the alternative that we're hurtling toward, which is what is going on in the U.S., is worse.
1: Okay. uh... Let me ask you about the percentage. I mean, one of the things these businesses were saying was, hey, the spread didn't come from us. I, I think I heard something like 3% for gyms. Is, is that correct?
4: The numbers are low, and they, what they measure is they measure our ability to identify location and contact tracing. So the important number is that three-quarters of all infections aren't attributed And we also have to remember that we understand now, like we didn't in March and April, we understand how COVID is spread, and it's spread by people sharing air without masks in an enclosed space. So we know this, and this has been proven again and again and again. The fact that we can't label it with contact tracing really has to do with the fact that it's the waiters and bartenders who are most at risk. They're in their 20s. They get sick. They don't get diagnosed. They're asymptomatic. They party with their buddies. We saw this in August with the numbers. Their buddies party with more buddies. And eventually we have outbreaks in long-term care homes because someone went to go visit grandma and we'll never find an epidemiological link between whatever outbreak that is and whatever long-term care home and whatever restaurant that it originated in that's what's going on and yes we don't see it in the data
1: Mm -hmm. what about restaurants uh indoor dining with proper spacing is that in your opinion risky too
4: uh, it is. I mean, if a restaurant could actually get people with masks on when they're not actually eating, if it could have enough physical space to really spread people out more than the guidelines, if it could install state of the art ventilation, then maybe. But I want everyone to remember, it's the waiters and the bartenders who are most at risk patrons bring COVID in, they give it to waiters and bartenders. That's the risk of restaurants. And those waiters and bartenders are exposed to the public for an entire working shift, with no, and the public are not wearing masks. And that doesn't change by moving tables.
1: But the waiters are wearing masks.
4: Yes. And so the customers are protected from the waiters. This is true. But the reverse is not the case.
1: Uh-huh. Uh huh. But as you say, uh, the waiters are, are young. Uh, I guess a lot of them would be asymptomatic, but then they might bring it elsewhere is what you're saying
4: that is exactly what i'm saying and that is exactly there's no question that's what's happening and now that we're opening restaurants we're going to see a surge in cases and we may not be able to again the epidemiological link but i think the cause and effect will become pretty clear
1: mm-hmm. uh, what is the percentage of spread from restaurants that you know of
4: well the toronto public health released a um uh a statistic that said I think it was close to half of the outbreaks they identified had an epidemiological link to a restaurant. It's difficult to make sense of those data though, because again, you're measuring what can be seen as opposed to what's actually happening. And it's, it's, it's difficult. I, I much prefer for us to rely on the accumulated evidence of how COVID spreads. We used to find people for sitting on park benches, right? We used to do all sorts of things because we didn't know. Now we do. And it's clearly people sharing air in an enclosed space for a prolonged period without ventilation, and that describes indoor dining.
1: Okay, well, it it is part of the issue that some of the restrictions don't make sense. So, for instance, gyms have always been restricted, but they allowed uh, dance studios to operate, and a lot of people didn't get that. You know, what makes dance studios okay while gyms are not? There's certain kind of group sports that are fine.
4: I think the confusion and the communication inconsistency and contradiction in the rules has been brutal. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I call myself an expert. I cannot competently explain the set of rules. I cannot justify them. They don't make sense. And we tend to talk about COVID fatigue now. I don't like that term because it suggests that people don't have the ability to take care of themselves. I disagree. I think people have been worn out by constant confusion and contradiction. And that's been a terrible problem in Ontario.
1: Okay. So uh, let's start with that. In your opinion, was there a reason to allow dance studios to open while gyms were staying closed?
4: If. We're talking about, let's say, a yoga class where masks can be put on and people can be spaced out and we can crack a window and or have some HEPA filters in there. I could see it. A gym, but in either case, if someone's doing heavy-duty cardio, and I associate that more with gyms, with exercise, bikes, and, and, and treadmills, someone who's doing heavy-duty cardio isn't going to be able to wear a mask. And, and even if they somehow did, um, that that heavy breathing, exhalation – I don't know. We don't actually know what the risk is, but it would be certainly a lot higher than someone, say, sitting still in a yoga pose. So I think it, it. we really have to actually think about the activity, and that's where it's confusing. What goes on in a dance studio is going to vary widely. What goes on in a gym is going to vary widely. I would have, were it up to me, have classified things not by location, but by activity.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, part of that argument is that that exercise is a key to mental health. And I have to come clean here: uh, I play tennis, and for a lot of people, that has just totally been a lifesaver through all of this. I mean, it's it's different because you're very far away from the people on the other side of the net, but uh, also it's something where you can exert yourself a lot. What about something like that?
4: Well. You know, I think tennis is a very virtuous sport for exactly the reasons you say. It's, uh, it's, it's I mean, typically played outside and very far away. Even if you're playing in an indoor court, you have very low density. Very, you know, you're not far away at all. You're also not necessarily, depending on the kind of game you play, you're not necessarily breathing really, really heavily. And I'm not a tennis player, so I can't comment on whether one could wear a mask or not. But it's, it's not inconceivable. That no, one might not really. To. Okay, but you've got the distance, and when you're outdoors, I mean, that's safe. Even indoors, when you've got a, a huge area space and two people far apart from each other I'm okay with that too so, I, And I hear you. I think you're right. Exercise and mental wellness go hand in hand, and we need to be able to afford that. We need to be able to allow that, but not at the cost of getting people sick. So I think we, we need some resilient strategies. We need to think about how can we move some things outdoors? How can we equip certain gyms or dance studios with serious ventilation equipment? Why not have a granting program? I, I'm not sure if small gyms and dance studios can afford a $10,000 MERV filter, so why not buy one for them? I mean, there are things we could do. We're a rich province we could do that well so yeah think y- rather than having it a choice between let's open and make people sick or let's close and make people sick how about how about we we think constructively about how to be resilient
1: well i i, I think uh, businesses that were able to put in a filtration system have have done so uh, you know i i don't know that businesses even if they had the money would be able to get it done uh, that quickly uh you know uh Oh, All kinds of things are actually hard to get hold of at the moment. Let's, well, that's, uh,
4: that's true, but there's also been no requirements to do this, so some businesses may well have but we haven't required it in schools. We haven't required it anywhere. And that is, a, that is a concern. Even a $200 HEPA filter, like what I have in my living room, because I've got kids at school, so I'm doing my best to scrub our air at home. I mean, you can get that on Amazon right now and plug that in. So there are there are steps we could take, but I, I think businesses should be given incentives. They should be given grants to do this. No question.
1: Okay, let's take a quick call from Ian in Guelph. Hello, Ian.
3: Hi there. Um, you Speaking about the uh, the transmission and the droplets and that, can the virus live outside of the droplet? Can it be moisture free?
4: Uh, yes, as far as we know, yes, um, yes it can. Um, but I mean, what what happens with droplets is you exhale. Some droplets are big, some are small. In cold, dry air, which is what we which is what we get in winter time, those droplets mm-hmm. evaporate really quickly, and what's left is the virion, and it, it will float. Yes. Typically, oh. I mean, I couldn't tell you whether whether all the water disappears or whether it just gets to be very, 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 very tiny, but it, it amounts to almost the same thing. And oh. that's, that's what we call an aerosol, and that will stay in the air for some time.
3: Oh, okay. Here I was thinking that they required the moisture droplet to carry and protect them from all the stuff that was... Because they always stress in the droplets,
4: droplets, droplets, so I... Just want to know if they could, if it would live <clears throat> in a uh, dry state. Well, I think Thank the you. confusion is they come out in a droplet. They don't come out on their own. They only come out of your body embedded in a droplet. That's that's definitely how they reach the world from someone who is from someone who is sick. And then in in humid air, the droplets get bigger because they pick up moisture from the air. They fall to the ground, and that's one reason why hot, humid summer air is safe, and cool, dry winter air is not.
1: Okay, Ian. Thanks for your call. Uh, Colin, we are starting to run out of time. Uh, Practical advice for people as we are entering this new phase?
4: I think instead of trying to parse the province's conflicting guidelines, a very simple rule for safety is don't share air with anyone you don't live with unless you're wearing a mask. And if you never break that rule, you will be safe.
1: Okay. And one other very quick uh, question. Uh, Teresa Tam gave us uh, different mask guidance, so you've got to get a filter for your mask. Is that necessary?
4: So I was caught off guard by that. I haven't reviewed the evidence. I think it's, I think she, she might be, she, she may well be right, but I don't think that's actually where we need to focus our attention. I think we need to focus our attention on getting people to put a mask on at all, rather than telling people who already have one now they need a different one. I, I don't think that's actually helpful. We know that all super spreader events have no masks in common. We know that people wearing masks don't end up in super spreader events. So clearly masks work maybe a three-ply one will work way better. I don't think that's the most important thing.
1: Okay. Uh, We have to take that up at another time. Uh, Some people are saying cut up vacuum cleaner bags, whatever. Uh, But in the meantime, thank you so much for that, Dr. Colin Furness. We appreciate your time.
4: My pleasure. Thanks.
1: Okay. And that is all the time we have for today.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.